Welcome to episode 161 of the Garage Guys Fantasy Sports Podcast, where I'm joined by my mom. It's Mother's Day. Sunday was a beautiful day. Hope everyone spends time with their mom and, uh, and let their moms know how much they're loved, because moms deserve to be loved, because moms did all kinds of shit for us when we were growing up. And mom, I just wanted to thank you for putting up with me for all the, the bullshit that I did as a kid. And how, how was it raising me, by the way? It was awesome. It was awesome? So I wasn't a little shit, like always? No. I thought I was a little shit a lot. Are you just saying that because you're my mom? No, I just let you be yourself and kind of have your own individuality. Gave you options so you could choose and do things, not feel like you always had to be under the, under the thumb of, a, of an adult or an authoritative measure at all times. And that's why I love the shit out of you. That's why I think you're the greatest mom of all time. So, so mom, before, before we get the show started, we, everybody's been watching The Last Dance, and I need to know, what was your favorite part about the Bulls from the 90s? Watching Michael Jordan and Dennis Rodman play. I, out of the two, which one looked better? I mean, like, play-wise or look-wise. Well, everybody Rodman. knows play-wise, but which one did you think was hotter? Dennis Rodman. Oh, so so you were into the weird boys. No, not weird boys. Uh, it was He's somebody who is not scared of his individuality. He's not scared to be who he wants to be in any situation at any given time. That's probably – that's pro- so you raised me to be like Dennis Rodman? Well, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not to be like Dennis Rodman, but to be able to express yourself and not have any well, it kind worked. of rem- – more That's probably why I like Dennis Robbins so much. You probably just implanted that subconsciously into my brain for a long, for like when I was a kid. The Last Dance has been has been crazy. You're gonna have to rewatch it because I know you just sit around watching murder porn on Lifetime all day long. But the, here's the problem: so you just said Dennis Robbins was hot. How do you think that your ultimate uh, sports crush, Tyler Lockett, is gonna feel about this? He's a big boy. I mean, I'm older, so you know he's younger. There's a lot of young women out there that's that's gonna be after him forever and ever and ever. And Dennis is more of an icon. And I like, you know, he's an iconic person. So. But, it, but it's safe to say you're a cougar preying on Tyler Lockett. Uh, I, maybe. Okay. So, so before you go, we make like, like a cougar noise, like cougar in the wild, and then I'll try to find a way to get this to Tyler Lockett. Wow. Oh, shit. She did it. I love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you for being on the show. I love you. You're now listening to the Garage Guys Fantasy Sports Podcast. Welcome to episode 161 of the Garage Guys Fantasy Sports Podcast. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Drip Drop, and Drip Drop ORS was invented to treat dehydration in the most challenging circumstances. It's used by athletes, firefighters, military members, the Garage Guys, the Garage Fam. Hope everyone that I sent out all your Drip Drop samples to got them and enjoyed them. I've got a couple of tweets from some of you guys showing off your drip saying you're loving it. That's fucking awesome. Drip Drop is amazing. And just all around, we all know that dehydration has a profound effect on our health, mood, and performance. So if you're using Drip Drop every day or using it when you're dehydrated, after a run, um, after a long night out with the boys or the girls, if you're a chick and you've been sipping a little too much of the the sparkling rosé with the girls at the beach, you got to follow that shit up with some Drip Drop. And I want to make sure that everyone listening to this podcast gets the drip they need. So go to dripdrop.com and use promo code GARAGEGUYS20 at checkout. Last Dance, episode seven and eight is what we're going to be discussing. But it's, uh, it's been Mother's Day. And as you heard in the opening, I had to have mom on. Tyler Lockett better watch out. Well, actually, I don't think it really matters now because, like, Robin's an older man, so she's probably more into Tyler now because he's a young boy. Did your mom receive flowers from Dennis Robin today? Or? She should have. He's. I'm kind of aggravated that he, that she didn't. Like, like, I'll give him. I'll give him a week. Oh, 
Shout out to the clock. Shout out. This might be the earliest clock appearance of all time. Appearance. New word. Merriam-Webster. The, this, is the, uh, this is an ultimate. Ultimate. We're kicking off the show with nothing but good vibes from the clock. We appreciate you. Shout out to the clock. I needed that extra motivation, honestly. Dude, how, how much more motivation did you really need, though, after these two episodes? My favorite, too, I think. This is my favorite. Um, I don't know. I kind of view it as one episode because we're getting two at a time. But just as a, as a two-hour segment, I think that was my favorite one. So Right. I know you were more of a Rodman guy, but this was uh, seemed to be pretty Jordan-centric tonight. It did. It did. And before, before, we, before we get into it, just going back before we had to give our shouts to the clock, I will say this. Dennis Rodman, now that this episode is out in public, he has one week to send my mother flowers after those words. Because if not, and Ty, if Tyler Lockett sends my mom flowers, like it's going to be a race between the two now. So I will give my mother's hand to whichever one of those guys send flowers first. That's how this is going to work. So everyone listening to this, be tagging Dennis Rodman and Tyler Lockett. Whoever sends flowers to my mom first can have my mother's hand. And that's how we're going. I think Tyler's younger than me too. So that'd be a really awkward Thanksgiving and Christmas. But it's, I mean, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> You're all in now. You got to go with it. Yeah, I'm all in, dude. It's, it's like, no time it's, to it, complain. It is what it is. Look, we, everyone deserves to be happy. So, you sure. know, rock and roll. That's, that's the way I look at it. I love mom. But the, happy Mother's Day again. We, for, that was yesterday. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers of the Garage fam. Um, mothers are amazing. My mother is amazing. Your mother's amazing. Just moms are fucking awesome. Love them. But, um, yeah, man, it's, uh, you know, we got one more week until NASCAR starts. So, the last dance is really making up the most of our time. And, dude, like, I, like me and you were texting, obviously, throughout this thing and – and me and Drew talk like all the time when we're watching these shows, you know, now that Westworld's out the way, we're, we're giving the last dance the floor on, on our uh, Monday episode. So it's, uh, it has really like reinvigorated my love for the, for the NBA and for basketball, but not just that, but like, I feel like tonight specifically, um, I felt more emotional about these two than I felt about any of the ones before kind of like you were saying, these were like the best two, I think, that we've gotten so far. And they were super centered around Michael Jordan. Yeah, uh, especially being Father's Day. That was kind of a big theme, too. And here we are, Mother's Day. I know it was originally supposed to air on Father's Day before we had to move it up for coronavirus. But it was just a great episode. It gave me all the feels, too. I like how you said it, you know, got you back into basketball possibly. But it's, it was really about just life in general. You could apply all this stuff to life. And – um Man, there was just so much to take away from it in terms of uh, – I know I'm a little bit more motivated than I was before I watched it. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Like, I was saying literally, like, I was, I was like, in the tub because, like, I was doing my prep, getting ready, like, eat in the tub, and that's when I saw that part. And I literally, like, just wanted to punch a hole through the fucking wall. But we'll get to there. But let's, let's start off with Episode 7, try to move as much in chronological order as we can. That doesn't really always work out the best with me and you. <laughs> but we'll try our damnedest but maybe maybe it's best that we don't because that's basically what this show is anyway the west world of sports documentaries it's all over the fucking place did you notice they started uh maybe like episode four or last week's episodes they started throwing in like a little timeline that moved it back and forth is that was that because people were complaining you know i think that they've done that the entire show Oh, then I'm crazy. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. If not, then there's some Mandela effect shit going on, and they just had to, like, fix the system. Um, it seems like they're doing it more frequently than they used to, but maybe I'm just crazy. Because I remember maybe, the first few, I was, like, lost a lot. I was like, wait, what time are we in? And now I'm always following it because of the damn ticker that goes back and forth. Yeah, maybe it's better. Because, like, I, I think what, what may have been happening was, and, like, I could be completely wrong, too. But, you know, like, they'll put, like, the text at the bottom of the screen. It's in, like, the white text. But, like, normally, like, there's so much background shit going on because they're, like, mm. in, like, a, in, like, an arena. So, it's kind of hard it. to see that. So, maybe they did go back and edit a little bit more of that back and forth, you know, timeline, uh, you know, cut scenes or whatever. So that would, uh, that definitely would help. But yeah, I'm, I'm following it a lot more. And I, I feel like personally, like I've followed it pretty decently throughout, but like, I'm just one of those people that just pay mad attention. Like when I'm watching something like that. So yeah. Yeah. 
And it's been surprising to me, like I said, before this, like, you know, basketball, like I kept up with the Pelicans, love the fact that we have Zion. I'd go to Pell's games. I only really kept up with them. But this is just showing me like a whole new side. And like it really brings back that nostalgia of, of like, you know, the 90s basketball. So I think that that's what's even making me ready even more for the season now and especially whatever project we cook up for basketball at Garage Guys. So that's going to be another – uh, really fun thing to do, and I can't wait to be a part of that. I know you're going to have a huge hand um, in building that as well. So that's that's what's going to be fun as hell. But um, but starting off episode seven, it's funny how this all rolled into the baseball stuff because I actually watched Jordan rides the bus earlier today, the thirty for thirty documentary. Was that on ESPN or was that just something you watched on your own? Uh, it's something I watched on my own. I've been kind of like on a 30 for 30 binger. Like I watched John Daly grip it and rip it the other day. Like just because <laughs> like that. John Daly is just, he's a fucking, everybody thinks he's a piece of shit and he is, but he's a, he's a, he's an okay piece of shit in his own respective way, I guess. But you still can't deny the fact that he's just a bad motherfucker in golf. And he has his own fucking like Arnold Palmer type alcoholic beverage. And he still is the only guy I think that rips cigarettes during a PGA fucking tour. So that's another thing that's insane. I wouldn't mind watching that. It sounds pretty good. Yeah, he basically is the real Happy Gilmore. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what it was based off of. But um, episode seven kind of, you know, we, we kick off. A lot of this has to do with the death of Michael Jordan's father, which was crazy how it really happened. Like I had kind of forgotten about like how his dad died. And then watching Jordan Rides the Bus earlier today, also, I got a lot of other, you know, uh, insight because this was from a few years back. And then you get to kind of like they talk a little bit about it, you know, here. But, um, you know, about how, like, they found him in a creek. He was shot in the chest. And, like, a lot of the speculation, of course, was because of the gambling deal. And I know you know a lot more about that with the, you know, the whole conspiracy stuff. Yeah, and I don't know like how much I actually want to talk about it just because it was such a good episode, and I don't know if I want to steer that direction just because out of respect for the episode. And you Yeah, know. of course, of course. But, but you're right. It is weird. The timing is super weird. And another thing that I'll note is um, just the weight that it carried Jordan. Like, if there's anything evident from this documentary, it's how mentally strong Michael Jordan is. And yet this really – I mean, I know it was the death of his father, but it really messed with him. So that kind of was is what set the te- the tempo, I guess, of this entire two episodes was was this death. But um, yeah, I don't know um, what you know about the conspiracy talk, but they kind of alluded to it uh, with David Stern there on the uh, on the episode. Yeah, and you know they like I said they they talked about kind of a lot of the same stuff on Jordan rides the bus, and this is this is my thoughts on it at this point. Um, for, for this to be a complete cover-up, Jordan would basically have to be faking all emotions that he had about his father when this happened. And I truly now at this point believe, because, I mean, you had people like, you know, Steve Kerr and all of them, like David Stern, all of them people coming out basically essentially saying that he would have had to, like, there's no way David Stern is going to be like, we're suspending you from the NBA. Like, it's just not. Like, it's just not going to happen. Like, nobody wants Michael Jordan to leave the NBA. That's why they were evading to, like, be like, okay, well, you need to – you know, the owner is like, okay, well, you need to go talk to Phil. And Phil is basically supposed to talk him into it. And he's like, I, I can't make Michael Jordan's mind up for him. Michael would make his own mind up. And so for Michael to want to leave basketball and go into baseball, it makes total sense because, I mean, like, you, the, the, the one male figure in your life that, like, you look up to, I mean, for most guys, is their dad. And whenever your dad passes away, all the thoughts of, you know, what I should have said or when anybody passes away for that instance that you're very deeply connected to, you, you start having regrets and thinking about different things. And, and you know, he, even though he is a very strong-minded person and a strong individual, it makes total sense that he wanted to go do the thing that his dad wanted him to do most. So, and, and that also goes into show about how somebody can be so great and most, most players, like, in his situation, they don't want to walk away from something because that's their identity. For him, it's like he didn't need to worry about that because he knew who the fuck he was. And if he wanted to walk away from something that he was just great at and go walk amongst, you know, other people and not be the best at what he was doing, Michael Jordan would do that because he was so confident in himself 
but also with this specific event, I feel like it was just because he loved doing what his dad wanted him to do. Yeah. And to add on to your point, I think it was also about just wanting a new challenge. I mean, uh, my favorite tidbit from all this, which was kind of went under the radar was that he had been talking about it since he was on the dream team. Uh, that there, there was a mention of that, that basically he had said something to his teammates on the dream team that he was interested in playing baseball and everyone kind of just shrugged it off. So that tells you right there that it wasn't just something that he decided overnight um, that he had, you know, I think baseball was on his mind and, you know, after you're the best basketball player in the world, I think you, if you're an ultimate competitor, you start thinking, what can I do? That's a new challenge. Um, I just don't think he really planned on missing the game as much as he did. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, at first I think that like, he really was like, maybe he was just like confused or like in like a different type of area, but I mean, like he was a hundred percent, he was all in on baseball and all the people, the media coming to him, like, is this a publicity stunt? And when you had, when you had the, the point to where he went to the White Sox and he's out there practicing and one of the batting coaches comes up to him and he asks him, you know, he's like, are you, he's like, I got to ask you one question. Like, are you serious? Are you dead serious about this? And he's like, he's like dead, like 100. And he was like, okay, well meet me here at seven o'clock in the morning. And he's like, bet, you know, and he gets there. Like nobody was working harder than him. And they were even saying it themselves. If he would have stayed like with Chicago, like he went to the White Sox, of course he went to the minors, um, if he would have stayed there, he probably could have made it to the majors. But I think that the curveball, and, and that's what they were saying. Like if he would have stayed longer in the league, like he, like you just said, he, could, he just couldn't hit a curveball. That was his undoing. So if he would have stayed, stuck it out another couple of years, maybe he starts hitting a breaking ball. Right. Exactly. So, and that would have been a whole new deal for, for Jordan. Like if he would have never went back to basketball, like who knows though, like the whole world would be reshaped right now. We, we <laughs> might, we might be living in like a post-apocalyptic world, like driving around <laughs> at max cars for all we know, like Michael Jordan could have saved the world. So, which I, he probably did. Um, yeah. but I but, think we all benefited from him not being able to hit a curveball. Absolutely. Yes. So, but the, I think the craziest part of this story was the move to Birmingham, Alabama, um, well, to play for the, the Barons in Hoover. Um, that stadium, like, that, that baseball stadium, I remember going there for an SEC tournament back in 2012 and, like, seeing, like, all the Michael Jordan, like, memorabilia. And I'm like, holy shit, like, like this is where Michael Jordan played baseball? Like, I was tripping. And, like, getting to see all the hysteria around – a minor league baseball team like dude this you were you were thinking you were going to a Yankees game in the middle of fucking Alabama like that's how much weight Michael Jordan carried like it's as an individual to anything that he did like selling out games like though that had to be like that that's that was hands down the best days of that organization like of all time like there's never been better days than that yeah i mean you just you hear about people going on um, coming back from injury today in MLB and they go play for like a week or two and you hear about how crazy that is just imagine that times about a million with Michael Jordan so it's uh it's unbelievable and it's pretty cool that you actually went to to see that I think you have a personal story there getting to see the stadium so yeah yeah it was fun I mean we had a we had a we had a blast watching the uh, all the SEC teams compete and I'll never forget it was me and two of my buddies and we were there we were staying at a hotel that was nearby literally like filled up the fucking bathtub with beer cans and like just got fucking wild it was nuts there was people like all from all colleges staying in there like dude it was literally just like one big college party for the entire weekend I, I've had a lot of rowdy weekends like that in my in my younger days but listen to me, I'm telling like I'm fucking 50. I'm still young, but <laughs> in my, in my early twenties, um, we used to do a lot of shit like that. So going on trips and stuff. So it was a ball, but yeah, like I just never will forget going there and, and realizing like, holy shit, this is it. This is the place. Cause like most of y'all know by now, like I didn't really keep up with a lot of basketball. Like as a kid, I knew like things here and there space jam. That's what I knew. Bill Murray was a basketball player. So all. And some nice, some nice Space Jam references later in the episode, but I'll wait. Oh, okay. But yeah, you, yeah. But, we but you already brought that up. Yeah, I mean that's awesome. That's Here we go again. Here we go again. Westworlden. Here we go. Yeah. No, but um, but from from the baseball stuff, I mean, I think it was when, whenever he was in what was it, North Carolina? That's when they started getting to the point to where he was like 
going to practice here and there. Like he was going to meet people and he started kind of maybe getting that itch after being, you know, away because that whole season went on and kind of moving away from Jordan real quick, kind of like going backwards a little bit. Here, here, here we go. Timeline time. Um, going backwards to like the season without Jordan where Pippen was kind of the star. There was one scene of that fucking episode seven that really pissed me off. And it was when Scottie Pippen decided just to quit on his team. That showed so much about Scottie Pippen, like all I needed to know. And like, I don't think that that, like Michael said it himself, like he'll never live that down. Yeah, that whole uh, – I'm glad you brought up that that season because there was a lot of interesting things to me there that um, that I wanted to note. The Pippen scene, definitely. Um, and that goes back to that weird blood they had with Kukoc from the beginning, right? Because we saw that in prior episodes where they were kind of pissed that he was coveted by Jay Krause. But right. to, to quit on your teammates, regardless of who the play is called for, was weird. Um, so that was that was one note. The other thing was did you, it kind of was cool to see how good Kukoc ended up being. I mean, they ended up going to the uh, second round of the playoffs in the the Eastern Conference before they lost without Jordan. Yeah, and they they lost to Patrick Ewing. Yeah. In the Knicks, I mean. They took them seven games too, right? Yeah. I mean, like, that that says a lot about Phil Jackson and and the team that was built, you know, around Michael Jordan. Like, they would have won that year if if MJ would have been there. Like, hands down. They would have probably have seven. Maybe eight. Who knows? Right. Um, But it's just – I don't know. The break was needed, I guess. But with that whole scene right there, I mean, that just goes to, to show you like that Scottie Pippen is just so insecure. And and he is – I feel like he almost regrets. Like he has to have some kind of regret about his life. Like he, he can't get over the fact that he will always be in Michael Jordan's shadow. And you can tell – it was a mistake, man. I just think it was a mistake. I don't think it's like he's – I mean, he was very loved by his teammates. Remember that. I don't think this was like – I don't think this defined Scottie Pippen. But that was opinion. definitely something that showed that side of him, that that does live inside of him. It does bother him that he's not the guy. Like, that's what that shows me. Like, I understand he can apologize, but he even said it himself. If he had to go back and redo it, he would have done it the same way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it might have made him stronger afterwards, but that shows you right there. If somebody can do that and that quickly because they're not going to be fed the ball, it's an ego issue. And that just says every, that it shows you everything you need to know. He literally is pissed off that he is not the best. That he, and, and plus you got all the other factors, of course, of the money issues and everything else. But um, Tony, can you Kukos, imagine if somebody did that right now, though? Like they would be just. I can't imagine what the media did then, but imagine right now if, like, Dwayne Wade would have done that when LeBron James was sitting out for the Heat, you know, back when they were on those teams. I feel like the backlash would just be unbelievable. I just can't believe that Pippen did that, really. Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. The back, today it would probably be like, man, he needs to get traded, bro. I feel for him. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're yeah. fucking soft. The world's fucking soft. This is one thing that this documentary has showed us, Drew. And I don't know about you, but it has just showed so much about how soft the fucking world has really become. Yeah, you're right. It would have like been trade demands and stuff like that right after. Instead, they handled it probably like a good team. Like, I think they referenced an epic speech, right? That's how they, they, that's how they handled it after. One yeah. of the teammates that was like a, a bench player, he was a forward or center, he came out with a big speech, and Pippen basically had to earn the respect back of his teammates. And Steve Kerr even said, you know, uh, I don't want to bash Pippen too much, but Kirk, Kirk came out after and said, as horrible of a mistake it was, um, he basically said, like, Pippen was one of the most loved teammates on the on the squad. So Yeah, he was the guy that lifted people up. He was the one that, like, would pat you on the back and things like that because he was, like, literally, he was the sweet where Michael Jordan was the, was the salty. Like, because <laughs> yeah, Jordan yeah. was just caught back mean, up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Jordan was just, they, they, there's some of the guys that, you know, they're all, you can tell that there were a lot of them dancing around their words when they were having to describe his personality. But the one thing that they all can agree on is that like, and even Pippen said it himself, they needed that. They needed to be held to that higher standard of how Michael was because dude, when they were showing the scenes of him shit talking, like, I don't know if you know anybody like that personally, 
Like, do you know anybody like Michael Jordan, like personally, like in your life that like will, will like, they, they find out what your buttons are, but like from Michael's situation, it, it wasn't really mostly, may, maybe he was finding out what certain people's buttons were, but it, it seems like he just had like one gear, which was just belittle you until you did good. Yeah. And I would say that he would belittle you in situations that he had overcome himself. Like he was only going to call you out for stuff that he was doing, like stuff that he had exceeded in right. the areas that he's worked hard in. Um, but I think it was more for Jordan, like see how far I can push you to see if you break. And then once you pass the test, you're good in my book. And then he kind of let, you know, took the gas off a little bit in terms of like Steve Kerr, for instance, right. He pushed him to the, to the point of making Steve Kerr like have to basically pushing back or punching back or shoving back, whatever was referenced. Um, right. And then after that point, it basically said that Jordan and him were good for years. Yeah. Cause he felt, cause he felt like a dick. Cause like, like he literally like he punched Steve Kerr. He was on Steve Kerr. Cause that was after, you know, that was the, that was the 90 going into the 95, 96 season whenever Steve Kerr had came after the three championships. And that's when he was talking about how they were in the middle of a practice and like Michael was all up on his shit. And that's when Steve Kerr turned around and like punched him in the chest. And then Michael punched him in the eye. And then he felt like real, you know, like Phil Jackson, like kicked him out of practice. And he, he said, Michael said it himself. He's like, well, I just fucking punched the smallest guy on the team. He said he felt <laughs> like he was so small. So he got his number and he called him and they had so much more respect. But that like Steve Kerr said it himself. It's the best thing he ever did. And it really sounds like he was the only player that ever stood up to Michael. And so that allowed him and Michael's relationship to be like, there was a lot of trust there. There was a lot of uh, just mutual respect. And, and that's what you got to do. Sometimes I've been in situations in my life where after scrapping with someone, I love the shit out of them. Like it just made my bond with them even stronger because like we had like a mutual respect for each other. And so sometimes it takes that, but for everybody else on the team, cause like they, they were all saying it themselves, like they were fucking afraid of him. They were afraid of Michael Jordan. And it's like, why be afraid of, of that? But I can also, at the same sense, understand where it might be frustrating. I think it's just uncomfortable, mainly. I don't, I, 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 it, he was so intimidating that it made you uncomfortable, but it made you push yourself to boundaries you know you don't like you didn't know you had. You could push beyond that, that point of break. And I think it just intimidated people um, because, you know, they referenced when Jordan wasn't there, Basically, that made everything fun. <laughs> but yeah. Jordan, Jordan was like in tears, right? Because he was saying he had to make basically sacrifices to uh, to be the leader that he needed to be to make them win. He had to make sacrifices. In that terms was of how nice he was to people. Right. He said, "There's a price. There's a price to pay. You know, for winning. There's a price to pay for that mentality." And dude, that's that's the shit that made me so emotional. It's just because, like, you know when you're, when you're driving towards something, you're driving towards a goal, like you, you have to position your mind like a certain place. And, and it does, it sucks life out of a lot of other things around you. But like for him, like reaching his goals were everything. And he knows that there's only one of him. So it's like, not, not, you don't really want to like create a bunch of views, but in a sense, you want to take everybody that has certain talents and make them like you in the sense that they use their talents to the best of their ability, just like you use talents to the best of your ability. And so like, I really felt like what MJ was saying there. Cause like, it was just like how emotional he got about it whenever he was talking about, you know, the years before they were like, you know, the championships when he would get knocked down and like all the fans were like, not today, Michael and all this shit. Like he endured all that. And the number one thing that he said and that, that, well, not really him saying it, but the teammates said, and this is what I love the most about all of it. He never asked you to do something that he wouldn't do himself. That shit is so fucking important, and regardless of whatever the fuck you got going on in life. And that's the shit right there that really speaks waves um, to this entire documentary and this process and everything about Michael Jordan's character. Yeah, that was one of my favorite scenes. I think that was closing, right? That was the closing scene to of episode seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, as good as it gets, man. And, I, and a lot of people have have heard similar sayings or similar quotes, but 
the way they, um, the production crew and the editors and writers and all that, like basically threw all that together at the end. It just was very um, well put together and moving uh, emotionally. I know it, it was a great end to an episode and um, man, I just couldn't believe, <laughs> I don't know what it was about the end of that episode, but I, I just couldn't believe that I had another whole episode to go. Like I felt like I was ready to, to talk about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, me too. I'm, I was right there with you. And so that was like, that was over. We roll back in, into eight. And this is kind of where we start getting into more of the, uh, the comeback season, I guess you would say, you know, dealing with his father's death, leaving, you know, going to some practices and he goes back in with the number 45. I think that'd be a good place for us to start on this. The 45 was supposed to be kind of like a, a rebirth for him. But him going into the season so late, going into the playoffs, um, it's just people were constantly commenting on about how he was out of shape and how tired he was. It's like, well, fucking, of course he's out of shape. The dude's been playing baseball for a fucking year and a half. Like, he's not <laughs> built for basketball. Right, right. And as complimentary as we were about the prior season where the Bulls kept it together, I just wanted to note that this was the, um, the following season. I think they were like 34 and 30 or something before Jordan. and um, a big piece that that a player that went under the radar through this whole era was Horace Grant and Horace Grant actually went to the magic. And that's when you saw like Pippen and all these guys start struggling was with that Horace Grant and, um, and jumping too far ahead here, but Robin Rodman would eventually replace that role. But that year they were really, really struggling without uh, Michael Jordan. So he kind of had to, I feel like he had added pressure to come back when he saw how bad they were struggling. Yeah, there could have been that as well. And I mean, of course, Scottie Pippen, hold the, the iconic holding his shoe up to the, uh, to the, to the camera and pointing at the airman and waving at him to come back. Like that was, I think that was what Michael said was like the last <laughs> thing he was like, okay, I got to come back. But yeah, dude, we got to talk about goggle master, bro. That's what I'm waiting on. You. I was like, I said, Horace Grant, I'm waiting for you to talk about goggles. This is him. Goggle master, bro. Dude, Horace Grant was a dog. And like we talked about on the last episode, we talked about how like you, you were saying like how bad it sucked that Charlie Charles Barkley was so fucking good, but like he kind of like goes unnoticed because of Michael Jordan. And it's like almost like all the greats were kind of overshadowed in that era. So, so Horace was actually getting to do his damn thing. Like he was getting to be the hoss, you know what I mean? And, you know, I think that was even on episode eight, like Patrick Ewing was talking about it. He was like, everybody, that's all I could talk about was MJ had a great game. I can't remember what game it was, but he was like, well, shit, I had a great game too. But yeah. nobody talks about that shit. And, yeah. like, I, I, I immediately thought about your comment about Charles Barkley, and I'm like, damn, how many of these dudes, like, were just fucking – like, this had to be the greatest era in basketball. Like, and all these dudes were just here, but all anybody remembers is Michael Jordan. So, I can see how that can be so frustrating. But, dude, Goggle Master, bro, the, the Orlando Magic, for one, okay, getting some Chase Boy energy on the story – Fire fucking jerseys, pinstripes. Love Incredible. It. Yeah. Love, love the Magic's jerseys. I literally, my first pair of Air Force Ones when I was a kid were blue and black. And it was because of the fucking Orlando Magic. That's why I got them. Um, and I'll never forget, like, seeing, like, those jerseys, the Shaquille O'Neal jersey. I literally, somewhere in the attic, I have a pinstripe Shaquille O'Neal Orlando Magic jersey. And now I just want to go order a new one. Just it's an iconic jersey, especially oh for like people our age, because Shaq was – this was an incredible part of the episode to me, and I know it's all about Jordan, but seeing this this Magic team was incredible to me. Seeing Shaq, Penny Hardaway. Penny Hardaway was supposed to be Kobe before Kobe. And right. unfortunately, it was next to Derrick Rose probably was the – I don't know. There's a few terrible injuries and uh, careers that were – that went haywire because of injury, but – Derrick Rose and Penny Hardaway were probably my two that I wish would have we would have seen a full potential, um, you know. And we saw a little bit of Penny Hardaway in this this episode, right? And anybody named Penny is going to be like the the smoothest motherfucker of all time. Like your <laughs> name is fucking Penny. Like, yeah. what more can you ask for? But yeah, having that team like, and Horace was saying himself, like. Horace is just an OG, bro. Like, I don't care what anybody says. Like, the way, the way that when they interview him, that dude's always just, like, laid the fuck back, bro. 
He seems like, like he'd be a great person to chill with and have for an interview, honestly. Yeah, dude, we need to yeah, I need to get I need to get with Horace's people. We need Horace on the show. And I and like I want to do a video interview where we're all wearing goggles the entire time. <laughs> like that's the way we need to do this. Like it'll just get played out where it's not even funny anymore, but we just, I, I won't even give a fuck just because I'm getting to wear goggles and do a fucking interview with Horace Grant. But um yeah, like like whenever whenever they were in the playoffs when he came back and he was wearing number 45, like and then he just automatically was like, he did that. And he said he did it because like, it was just going to be weird. You know, him getting back on the court without his dad, his dad, just like, like we already basically talked about it, but how much he impacted him in the game like that. He wanted to, he felt like maybe him coming with him with a new number would erase that. And that was just kind of his way of dealing with it. But then he quickly realized I got to put 23 back on. So he brought 23 back out and then he still, they still lost. And when that magic team went on, just the, just the way they were painting the picture of it, like, I don't remember it when I was a kid, but seeing Michael and his reaction to losing, you could just tell, like, when you see Michael make that face, like, you're fucked. Like, your whole organization <laughs> is fucked. Yeah, I kind of, I'm not going to lie, as much of a basketball fan I am, I kind of forgot about this loss and the way the series went down, but didn't you think when you were watching this today that when he put 23 back on and it was, you were like, here we go again, they're going to come back. And he won the next game, but yeah. then they ended up losing the series. But I remember thinking like, man, I don't remember it being like this. I don't remember him. They basically hinted at he was just worn down, just too tired, too banged up. Yeah, he was – dude, he did – he he is the original uh, inventor of the flip the switch TikTok <laughs> video. Um, like, like literally like 45, I just flipped the switch, click, click 23. And then it's just like all of his fucking superpowers come back. Plus it was after, was that before? Yeah, it was before Space Jam. So like yes. he couldn't really tease. He wasn't really teasing people on like how you can suck players talents out of a basketball and into oh, Tom Brady <clears throat> took it from Michael Jordan. Yeah, probably so. Well, no, he just deflated balls. <laughs> so that's how he got away with it. Sorry, I hope it didn't hurt I meant, your feelings. I meant, I'm, I meant sucking the life out of the kids. That's what I was thinking. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, he does that for immortality. I think he does that for more than just football. See, Michael Jordan, he would only do it for basketball because he doesn't care about living life. All he cares okay. about is court. Okay. And Haynes He's, commercials. That's buckets. it. Buckets. Yeah. about buckets. Buckets, white tees, no logos. And hating Isaiah Thomas. Right, yeah. Fuck IT. That dude to him, it every time he reads the Bible, he is like went and scratched out like Lucifer and Satan, and he just put it over it everywhere. Yeah. That's that's in Jay's Bible. Dude, did you see the part, or did you notice the part? I know we're going off topic here, but I have to say this: where he basically lied to himself to motivate himself when that guy, that that young player, bro, for the I BJ, couldn't believe that. <laughs> dude, oh, bro, I about lost my shit. Because he put, what, 37 up on him. And he said he's walking off the court. And he said that he said, nice game, Mike. And he told everybody that, bro. This pathological liar, Michael Jordan. He goes in. But I love it because I love the energy. Because he goes in and he's like, he's like, he said this. And he's getting on the plane. And I don't, I don't remember if it was Horace. No, it wasn't Horace he was talking to. It was somebody. He's talking to somebody. And he was like, he was like, they're flying to Washington. He's like, watch. He's like, I got this. And they get there, and he puts fucking 36 up on him in the first fucking half. half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then they find out he never said shit at all. And it's yeah, just that like – wild, man. That's just how, that's just how he is because he's like, ain't nobody going to do this shit better than me. And, that, yeah. and, dude, having that mentality, like, dude, that literally – like, I think Michael Jordan can have all the physical ability in the world. I don't care what anybody fucking says. 90% of that man is mental. 90% of everything that man did is done inside of his fucking brain. And that's what's crazy about it. He did have a freak ability, okay? Don't get me wrong. You know, that, that dude had a gift. He had a gift the way he could move his body. He had a gift the way he could get in the air. But that dude is like a living testament. And I guarantee you, if you sat Michael Jordan down and asked him how much mental work is done with him, he'll tell you either 80 to 90% is mental. Yeah, I would. If you're throwing mental and work ethic all to, all into one, then yes, I agree with you. If you're if you're counting mental and like practice and work ethic separately, then I'd say it's not you know, ninety percent's a bold statement. But I kind of throw all that into one. You know what I mean? Like the like mental is what drove him to be as um, 
routine oriented. Yeah, he, I mean, he just it's just it's just hard to say. Like when you watch this film and he looks so much more athletic, it's hard to say that it's all mental. You know what I mean? Well, no, I mean he definitely has physical abilities, but like. You know, you can. I know plenty of people that are fucking like physically ripped and can just do fucking awesome shit. But like, they don't. They they might lack the fucking capacity of like the confidence or the fucking ego or whatever the mind can can control and and brew up. But like, dude, we're fucking superheroes, bro. People don't think about that shit. But human beings are fucking awesome, man. We all got the ability to do shit, and I really live by that. I really live by the principle that nobody's special, and we all have the same abilities to do awesome shit. It's just about how hard we push ourselves. And I think that Michael Jordan is a living testament of that. I mean, you could say Tom Brady is in the same situation, but um. You know, but but when you're at the point to where you're fucking making up stories for yourself and you're telling people this shit, like that's when you know, like, okay, yeah, this motherfucker's crazy. But like, it's a good crazy because he's just that fucking drove. But um, after after all that went down, you know, they knew they had to prepare for him, and that was just kind of a lot of the trials and tribulations brewing up. But yeah, dude, if it wouldn't have been for that Magic team beating them, they would have never been able to do what they fucking did going into that next season, which is not even arguably. I don't know where we're at right now. I don't know what the updated numbers are, but dude, my God, a 72 and 10 win season. Yeah. Wait, what's your, what's your point? You say you don't know where we are now. I don't know where we are now. Like has any team surpassed that in the NBA? Yeah. Recently the Warriors snapped it. Okay. So Steve, but, but see, it's it's still, it's still a part of it because Steve Kerr was still on that team. (laughs) So Chicago still is champions because Steve Kerr is coach of the Golden State Warriors. So basically they are an extension of the Chicago Bulls. The the Bulls. (laughs) I'm not even gonna listen to that. The (laughs) The Bulls counts for more because they followed it up with a championship. Whereas right. the Warriors won the championship the year before and after, I believe, but not the one that they won. So the Warriors won 73 games the year before Kevin Durant came. And that's why everyone called Kevin Durant such a um, – A burden. They were just like, who joins, who leaves their current team and joins a 73-win team? That's why he, he kind of became a the enemy in the NBA from the fans' uh-huh. perspective. Yeah. so it's a big ha-ha. But, yeah, so, well, Golden State's done it. Steve Kerr played for the Bulls, so they still get some kind of recognition. But still, 72-10, and 10, following up with the championships, fucking magnificent. Um, and so, talking about, you know, them going in and how he used that fuel from seeing Horace and all those guys celebrating the year before. Um, I don't know, just incredible. Like, arguably the best team, like they said. I mean, obviously, we know now Golden State. But, dude, looking back, Michael Jordan. Yep. Yeah. Like, do you think that Rodman, fucking Pippen, uh, Ku Coach, like, bro, I don't know. Like, I just want to go back in time and watch those games in real life, like as a as a four year old child. Yeah, well, it was really funny. I laughed at the part when they had um, they said like they were on the plane early in the year. And maybe it was Pippen that looked at the schedule and was like, look to the left or look to the right, and told somebody, like, I don't know if we're going to lose for three months. Yeah. Like, dude, <laughs> it's like, having that kind of confidence, too, is like what's fucking awesome. Because, like, yeah. it's just like you just know. You're like, okay, well, we're about to just fucking just, just ass rape the fucking league. And, like, they straight up went in and did that shit. So, I don't know. Incredible. It does show you, man. It shows you how important Robin was, though. Because but the year before, they didn't have a big man. They didn't have a guy that could rebound and play the tough guy role. Very much like Horace Grant played. And it's like, I know Michael Jordan's the, the you know, the, the goat and superhuman and all that stuff, but everybody's got to have a supporting cast in basketball. It happens yeah. with LeBron James. It happens with Michael Jordan. It happens with Steph Curry. You know, insert whoever you want as your star player. Um, even, you know, Michael Jordan couldn't have done it without, you know, Paxton hitting the big shot or Steve Curry hitting a big shot. or um, But Rodman really was like – he was the so glue, cute. bro. Yeah, him and Pippen just – He was crazy glue, but he was yeah. glue. Yep. For sure. And and that that whole season, like I said, it just it goes for itself. And um, But before that season kicked off, favorite, favorite thing to talk about here, uh, Michael Jordan made Space Jam. And I thought one of the coolest scenes of Episode 8 was the fact that they built that man – his own basketball arena to practice while he was filming. And they were literally inviting stars from the NBA to play with him every day. And you could just see him sitting down and studying all of them. 
Yeah, I think between the death of his father and then the absence from basketball and returning to basketball, I think this might have been the most motivated he was. I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say that when he lost to the Pistons and all that stuff um, earlier, but I don't know, man. Just the whole thing of like waking up and filming for Space Jam and then like working out in the mornings or working out during lunch and then playing pickup basically. I mean, this this man must have not had like much time for anything else, but they called him a vampire. <laughs> but he was still finding time for golf. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, he had to get he had to get the sweats, the sweat bets in. Oh yeah. Um but yeah, man, I mean like dude, like whenever whenever you're so fucking like just zone dude just tunnel vision like it's like nothing else matters and you just you push yourself to do certain things that you never thought were fucking possible and like but you even you right now talking about jordan himself like as like the pistons days and everything his whole life is just fucking dedication Mm -hmm. his whole fucking career was just dedication i think that's what makes michael jordan so special um it's just because it's like his grind is unmatched almost like in the story that's painted with it has just been this, this whole entire series just helped paint the story so clear. And it's just such a beautiful one, dude. It's so rare and unique. Like you don't get shit like that. So, um, perfect timing too. I mean, they're really capitalizing off this. uh, Oh my God. I know we needed it. We did. And then, Getting to, to go into that the finals, like, towards the end of episode eight, and they, they were calling it the most mismatched finals. Like, what a slap in the face to, like, Seattle at that time. Like, like what, who was it? Was it uh, – what, what was their names? You had, you had Kemp on that team. You had – Yeah, Gary Payton. The glove. Yeah. Yeah, you had Gary Payton. You had Kemp. Like – Yeah. And George that was – was the coach. He was, like, a, you know, he was, he was coaching into – in the NBA for the Nuggets years, years later, when we were teenagers. So he's a lifetime, lifetime NBA guy. And another example of Jordan using something for, for motivation for him yeah. like not talking to him or something, <laughs> something stupid. Like, in the fucking restaurant. Yeah, I was going to go into that because it's like he's like he always knew – he always knew who I was and everything. So, like, you can't do that with Michael Jordan because you're just going to, like you're, – you're, you're digging yourself a hole if you do that shit with MJ. But what happens if you talk to him? He might use that as motivation. Yeah, yeah, it it doesn't matter. Like you just you go up to him and say hi. He's still gonna whoop your ass on the court. Yeah, like, he'd been like, I don't like the way he said hi to me. Yeah, exactly. Or or he'll or you can just like say everything nice and great, and then he'll go make up a story about how you didn't, and then he'll just do that, and then he'll come out and tell you that just kidding. We were like having the greatest time of our lives last night. Like, cause that's probably what Michael Jordan would do. He would just make yeah. up stories to like fucking piss everybody else on the team off. So then he could use all of them to fucking get where he wanted to be, which was the fucking championship. But um, they didn't make it easy. Like, like everybody thought that like they were going to fucking sweep them. And then after that third game, like Seattle was just like, uh, uh-uh. uh, and then like they're fucking badass jerseys. I need one of those, by the way, that's like the only classic that I don't have. Um, hate that they're the fucking thunder now makes no sense but um i I don't know i just love those fucking jerseys man um i've got to go and 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 watch that series again like i want to watch that finals like all the way through um because like how they just flipped it back on them and then like drug it out the way that they did like they didn't back down did he no and i thought that was fucking awesome so it's like you know, the going through all that with the finals was amazing. And that's why I said, like, to me, that was, like, one of the ones that I really want to watch because, like, that was just – that was the start of the next era for them. And, like, we still got two more episodes left, so I'm sure we're going to get to see everything else that's, you know, coming for the next two after that. But, um, you know, we're leading up to this last season, so I can't wait to see how they cap it off. But um, Here's my question. Yeah. Why did it take three games to put Gary Payton on? He was the defensive player of the year. And did you notice they didn't put him on Jordan until game four? Wild. I thought that was wild. I think that that might have been like a lack of effort from like him being so mad that Michael didn't say anything to him in the restaurant. <laughs> maybe he thought that he's supposed to do that. And so he was like, all right, well, we've been doing it this way, but now we're going to do it this way. Cause like he was like Michael thinks he can just go flip switches, watch us, and and he kind of backed his shit up, coached it. So and then with Peyton doing his damn thing, 
So that was kind of their own little flip switch. Yeah, I thought it was interesting just from uh, – I mean, no telling what the series would have been like if you had to put Gary Payton on in game one. Like, like and Payton he was said, saying it, and yeah. it, like Michael's just laughing his ass off, like watching yeah. him on it. He's just like, yeah, right, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> like I'm Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah. That was the ultimate like laugh. Like I'm the I'm Michael Jordan laugh. Like I I can say whatever I want. I here. wish he was more like Chappelle. Like I don't know yeah. if you if how much Chappelle you've watched, but like I've Dave Ch- yeah. Dave Chappelle. Like you can anybody that's ever met him, and you can watch his stand up, and he'll he'll do it in his stand up too. Like people will ask questions like, "Can we really do this?" He's like, "Motherfucker, I'm Dave Chappelle." <laughs> like I wish that Jordan would be like that. Like like bitch, I'm Michael Jordan. Like, I wish, like, dude, to me, like, just embrace it at this point. Like, he still kind of has this weird humbleness about him, but you know he's fucking got that fire. Michael yeah. Jordan's just – he's different, dude. He's, he's did, a you notice, did you notice how, much, how many more F-bombs there were tonight? Oh, well, not if you watch the TV-14 version. But did you watch that luckily, one? No, I watched TVMA. There was a lot of, there was a lot of effery going on, a lot of fuckery. Maybe I've been watching the wrong version then. But tonight it seemed like there was more. Was there more tonight? I mean, there's been a lot of fucks been a lot of fucks given in this the series but that's because i watch the tvma ones all the time i don't i don't i don't play around with censorship i stopped doing that when i was like seven yeah i think i've been watching the tvma ones but tonight it stuck out more often than not yeah Yeah, they were just out and about um but the i guess probably the most emotional part of this episode was was obviously them winning on father's day and him going into the locker room and just laying on the floor crying like it just there's never been like a harder motherfucker in basketball that has not been afraid to fucking let that shit out and i think that that's one of the most amazing things about michael jordan is just how he can express himself and like without any fear because he knows how good he is and i don't know it's like most i feel like a lot of people are like embarrassed about shit like that but like for him like i don't know it's I bet his teammates loved it. I mean, after, you know, how much the, he pushed them and made them uncomfortable and made them better, I bet when they see something like that, they're like, okay, you know, that's something you can rally behind. When you see somebody that's willing to, to push you that hard but then also willing to, to break down like that, so which is yeah. kind of to your point. I mean, dude, the motherfucker's life is a movie, bro, when you really think about it. Yeah. I, 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 I Literally, it is I now. You it's during a documentary. This, I <laughs> yeah, I was texting you during this, and I was like, man, I don't know how we go up from here. In yeah. terms of like sports documentaries, like I don't know how you make something better. I'm already saying it. This is the greatest sports documentary of all time. Yeah, already, already saying it. Like, cause like I've watched, I've watched a lot of sports documentaries, but this one right here, like nothing. I don't, I don't, I can't think of anything that tops this one. Like, I have some personal ones that like mean a lot to me, but as far as like an all around one, like, like this, this is hands down like the shit. It's been amazing. It has been. And, and we still got two more episodes to go. One notable I did want to make um, about this is the beginning of episode eight, the golden scene when Michael Jordan's in his suit walking in slow motion and homeboy with the mullet is right by his side. I'm they so just, glad they, he pointed this out. They had, so to, they had to bring him back, bro. And, dude, I was trying so hard to get a picture of it, but I couldn't. So <laughs> I got to go find it and get a screenshot because that will be the podcast artwork for this episode. I think there couldn't be a more appropriate scene than that. And it seems like he's around Jordan quite a bit. Maybe he was his, like, secret bookie or something. I think so. I think so. Because, like, dude, I, I, I can't see a, a motherfucker looking like that and talking to Michael the way he did and not – I know. Like, There's something there, you know dude. What I'm saying? There's be. something there. That's the documentary I'm, I'm ready for. I need his life story. Yeah, we need his life story with, like, the inside scoop on what Jordan really was doing. <laughs> Give me the scoop. I want it. But, yeah, fucking incredible. All, like, I, I love talking about this show. I love talking about basketball. And, like, honestly – we got two more episodes. It's going to suck when it's all over, but it, it, it does. It's got me itching a little bit for some NBA action, man. So um, I'm excited. We'll be talking about it again um, on episode 163. So that'll be uh, two episodes from now. So you guys can get ready. But again, if you haven't watched the last dance and, or this is your first time listening to this show and you don't know how you got here and you don't watch ESPN, go to ESPN, watch the last dance but I'm sure most of you that are listening to this right now have done that already. But, um, but yeah, got to do it. Amazing stuff.
So this whole episode's pretty much been last dance talk. So before we go, uh, just kind of capping some things that have been going on over the weekend. I don't know how many of you guys out there follow me on TikTok at Garage Guy Chase, but um, Drew, I've officially went viral on TikTok. Please tell us more about the video or refer people to the uh, to the video. It's the it's the last thing that I ever thought would happen that I would go viral over. Um, I was fishing with my dad a few weeks back and we were saltwater fishing and all of a sudden I see a fucking alligator and it was a small alligator. So I just like literally randomly, like, you know me, you know, I'm just random as fuck and I'll just do a lot of random shit. And like, if I'll just get like some crazy brain dump idea, I'll just like tape it and do it. So this was like one of those situations. Like I see this gator and I pull a phone out and the one thing that kind of made me do the the whole song or whatever is because every Christmas I'll get together with uh, the wife's side of the family. And there was a book called the Cajun night before Christmas. And it would be read because like her side of the family, they're all from like Chalmette, what they would call coonasses in Louisiana. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like, like, Hey, how you doing? You know, like I'm from the Bayou, like, so we would read this and they had these fucking alligators were the reindeer in this book. And I'll never forget this one Christmas because like, because like Caitlin and her niece, like just laugh about everything. And they had these fucking alligators. And one of the girls was like, they coming. And like, they just started fucking going off laughing. And like, I thought it was fucking funny too. I'm not going to lie. So that was like a tradition. So for like four years at Christmas, like I would just interrupt or somebody wouldn't be like, they coming. And so we see this alligator and I just start singing and I'm like, baby alligator, baby alligator. He coming, he coming. He ain't fucking around. He's a baby alligator in town. And it started off as like an inside thing. Cause I, I made it and I sent it to them. Well, later in the day, I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to post this on TikTok. And I did. And about like a week goes by and I start noticing like I'm getting like, you know, some likes and things are trickling in. Well, this morning I wake up and I'm like at over 60, 70,000 likes, like over 300, 400,000 fucking plays. And like the comment sections going off. People are like telling me that like this song needs to be on Spotify. It's like King over Baby Shark. Like, I've started a revolution with the Baby Alligator song on TikTok. And, like, it's the last Have you video. started preparing lyrics yet? Oh, yeah. Full song? Oh, yeah, dude. Full, dude, I've went full send. Will you serenade me with it before you release it to the public? Oh, I will. Yeah, you'll get, you'll get the sneak peek, the snippets. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I just thought it was fucking crazy, bro. I might, I might send you a hit clip. Remember hit clips from the early 2000s? I might send yeah. you a hit clip. I might get it, like, pressed individually just for Drew for your hit clip machine. This Tiger reminds beans. me. This reminds me. We need to work on our uh, little Darlene song that I talked about. Oh yeah, dude. We're about to be viral boys on TikTok. Like Garage Guys is viral town on TikTok. It's happening. Me and Drew and Randy, like all three of us, dude. We're we're getting together. We're we're about to just we're about to take take over TikTok. We we will be sports TikTok. I just I'm, it blows my mind that this is what this was your most viral thing yet. It blows my mind. Even though it's not, it's not that I, I, I think it's not funny. It's just, it's not the one I would have predicted. But I guess that's how it works sometimes. Yeah. It's like, it's like for me, like personally, this is like roll out of bed shit. Like they like, there's shit that like I'll sit and think about that. I'm like, do you think this is funny? And people are like, Oh my God, that's hilarious. And I'll share it. And like, it doesn't get anything. You know what I mean? You probably thought about it for 30 seconds. Yeah, dude, like less. I was just like, I'm gonna make this video and send it to the girls. Because like that was that was just some inside joke shit. So maybe that's the key to going viral. Just fucking share your inside jokes on TikTok that like have no relevance to society whatsoever. And then they just blow up. Just like that. Just like that. So yeah, moral of the story, follow me on TikTok at Garage Guy Chase. And even more importantly, follow Garage Guys Fantasy Sports on YouTube. Go subscribe. And check out our videos. We're going to have some new content up with Randy this week. Um, a lot of stuff coming from us with NASCAR coming back. Don't forget that shit. NASCAR is back. It is back 100%. I don't think we're prepared for what's about to hit us next week. But this we're going to have a great time doing it. Yeah, we're going to have fun. But, dude, this is going to be a shit storm.
Yeah. You're going to be hearing some tired boys on the podcast. Very tired, but we're, but we're going to, we're going to bring it and give it to you as good as we can. And consistency is key. So we'll keep that energy. We're just, just going to have to find drip it. drop, inject drip drop into our veins. Right. We need, dude, here's the deal. That's what Michael Jordan was given to the Looney Tunes. That was the secret stuff. It was drip drop. Yep. This whole time. Confirmed. Fuck. All right. So that's all we got to do. We're going to drink a fuckload of drip drop. We're going to get Michael Jordan mentality and TB12 mentality, mix them together and power through. And then we're going to be kings of sports TikTok and NASCAR boy kings for the next forever. <coughs> Don't I die. I almost just died. <laughs> I was drinking oh, some no. water. But that's the power of the statement. So you know it. I know it. And your throat knows it because it was coughing because it was just like, damn, this hit so hard. If this water, <laughs> if this water would have had some uh, drip drop in it, maybe I wouldn't have done that. Uh, see, it's the secret stuff without the secret stuff. Secret sauce. That's it. But yeah, we them boys. It's it. What was that? We them, we them boys. It's it. It's it. Okay. It's it. They know. Y'all know. Garage family love you. This has been a show. This has been 161. We appreciate you stopping by. Tell all your friends and rate, review, and subscribe. We'll see you throughout the week. Oh, double oh, appearance. Wow. Walk, walk off. Walk off. Dude, the clock. Oh, my God, dude. This has been – I might have to title this episode, like, The Clock Strikes Back. Like, that's what this is. Shout out to the motherfucking clock. Insert big baby. Insert big baby right here. Shout out to the motherfucking clock, man. Sports. Party. Repeat. It's the garage, guys. 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 It's the garage, guys.